Hi, I'm Chris Sarandon, and welcome to Cooking by Heart, where we revisit the vivid memories of the food we grew up with and the people and the stories attached to that time in our lives. Today, my guest is William Ragsdale. Ragsdale made his Broadway debut replacing Matthew Broderick in Neil Simon's Biloxi Blues and continued in the same role for the national tour of its sequel, Broadway Bound, with Nathan Lane. He also starred in the movie Fright Night, a favorite of mine, and its sequel Fright Night Part 2, as well as the movie's Mannequin 2. On television, he starred as Herman Brooks in the 90s Fox sitcom Herman's Head, as well as Brothers Keeper, Grosk Point, and several other television series throughout the decade. He also has the distinction of being Ellen DeGeneres' last boyfriend on the ABC sitcom Ellen. He's a native of El Dorado, Arkansas, a town founded in part by his maternal great-great-great-grandfather in the 1840s. He lives with his wife and three sons in Connecticut. I'm very happy to have my friend and colleague, William Ragsdale. Hi, Bill. How are you? Hello. I'm well, thank you. How are you doing? I'm doing great, thanks. Uh, I, You know, when we... Uh, when we do this podcast, I often start by discussing w- what some people in the hoi polloi call uh, provenance, where you're from. But I can't escape this item in your bio that says that your maternal great-great-grandfather founded the town you were born in? Yes. Can you tell me about that? Yes, yes. He was an early settler. He was a... Um a scion, his, his name was uh, William Sterling Lacey. He was a scion of the famous Lacey's uh, family of Virginia. Mm. And, uh, oh, so that's where he immigrated from. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah. Was at, he was in Virginia, and his, uh, he was a uh, uh, minister and stuff, and Presbyterian minister, and his wife passed away. So he uh, needed a big change. And, um, Talk and about a big change. And he decided to... Uh, go west, and he went uh, to Tennessee, and he he started. He um, uh, was like missionary work. He he founded these churches. He founded the church a uh, church in um, Missouri, and he founded one in Tennessee. And uh, he the I guess he finally settled in the town where I was born, El Dorado. So Arkansas. sorry, forgive yes, me. Yes, forgive me. That's how you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know. Uh, and so, yeah, so he settled there in the 1840s and founded a church. He founded the church that I grew up in. And, wow, that's um, extraordinary. And, yeah, yeah, pretty pretty amazing. And um, and bought land there, and uh, I went to high school on the land that he owned as a um, when he first settled there. Ain't and, many uh, of us can say that. Well, you know, it didn't help my grades. <laughs> You'd think I could have a little pull, but uh, – but, uh, yeah, so uh yeah, so that uh, was kind of my claim to that area. That's where I ended up. Yeah, and so the family remained there obviously from the 1840s right through the yes. time that you were born. And t- so tell me a little bit about your folks. Tell me about your your mom and dad. Well, my uh my mother was uh born uh in Hope, Arkansas, mm. actually. She uh her her mother, my grandmother, uh, was from El Dorado and uh, married uh, a guy who was uh, – this was during the Depression, so they moved around a lot. And they uh, they ended up at one point in Hope, Arkansas, and that's where my mother was born. But then they moved back to El Dorado. My uh, grandfather passed away. So your mom, so it was your mom's to- side of the family. You, you said your maternal yes. great-great-great-great-grandfather. Yes. Yeah, yeah my, my father's side of the family was there, too. They came in the 1840s as well from northern Alabama. Uh, but, uh, you know, they they bought a farm and started farming, and they did that for 100 years or so. So, um, And what was, your, what was your dad's business when you were growing up? My father had a little corner drugstore, um, kind of like, uh, you know, it's a wonderful life without the tragedy. Huh. And... Um, uh, and that's where I, I grew up helping him out in the store. And so, uh, and then my mother, uh, was, uh, she was a church secretary, uh, for my growing up. And then when I went to college, she decided to go back to college and she did, and she got her master's of social work and, uh, became a, um, 
an administrator at a uh, a facility for uh, people who had uh, you know certain uh, challenges and handicaps and things, right. and that's what she did until until almost the end of her life. You know, I, I'll be talking to Amanda Burris, whom you I believe mm-hmm. know. I know her. Yeah, reasonably well, and uh, it's interesting to me that both your moms were involved in social work of a of a sort. Both went back mm-hmm. to college, uh, got degrees in in uh, social work and or whatever it's called. I think uh, Amanda's mom's was early education, uh, and okay. worked with with people in the in service to folks. Right? Yeah. Tell me about what it was like for you growing up. Uh, did mom cook? Did dad cook? What was the food situation like? That's where why that's why we're here, of course. Well, clearly you've never been to Eldorado, no. Arkansas, or you would know what the food situation <laughs> is now. It's it's okay now. I think it's probably better now. But in the sixties and seventies, when I was growing up, there was there was nothing really there. I mean, there was a uh, there. I think we had an early Pizza Hut. Ooh. Maybe, but we never ate there. And I, you know, that was kind of it. I mean, they had a McDonald's move in in the mid 70s or something. And that was, there was like a parade. They had like a parade and, you know, cutting, ribbon cutting, the mayor was there and all that stuff. So, who was, were you? I won't say it was a food desert. It was food rich, but it was not, it wasn't restaurant food. But but what about uh, at home? What about at home? Yeah, we we, uh, ate at home all the time. My mom cooked all the time. So, um, she would she would go to work and work during the day, and she would come home around four o'clock or so whenever I got out of school, and she would start cooking, and it was all pretty much homemade stuff. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of uh, wasn't a lot of uh, canned or you know processed. Oh, food, really? I guess. You're unusual right. in that regard for that time, uh, because generally, I mean, a lot of the people that I talked to, it was uh, particularly if mom worked. A lot of stuff, a lot uh, of stuff coming out of cans. Right, right. Yeah, no, we had we had fresh cooked stuff pretty much every and what, night. What were um, the? Can you can you give me a little kind of a, a tasting of what yeah, what the I mean, family food pretty, table was like? Yeah, it was uh, comfort food. You know, I mean, it was a southern household, so there was always you know. Uh, potatoes and hams and uh you know uh, casseroles mm-hmm. and things like that and uh uh but it was creative you know she had a rice and broccoli uh casserole i think maybe had chicken with it too which was excellent mm-hmm. and not uh, not made with uh, any sort of canned additive of soup or anything like that but made with her whatever she yeah well you know she may have, yeah i mean she may have used like a, a cream of tomato or a cream mushroom of right mushroom soup which was popular like then right it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, you know, she was lazy. She she wouldn't make she her own. She wasn't uh, cre- lazy. Cream of she was a working soup. mom. Come on. <laughs> yeah, no, she uh, no, and, but it was it was every night we had uh, we would have steak on occasion. She she did. I mean, you know, uh, she did on occasion. My uh, sort of nightmare <laughs> was that she she would she would cook liver. You oh. know, because uh, apparently this was the. 60s and yep. 70s and liver was uh, absolutely yeah, yeah yeah so and it would you know it would i remember being on the front porch at my house and i could smell the liver from the front porch so i i would go over to my friend's house next door and get him to call to see if i could eat dinner with them <laughs> so she would she would call it he would call it right. and say yeah we're you're about to sit down to dinner is it okay if we stay <laughs> If he stays right. and uh, escape yeah, from sure. awful or whatever it's called. Oh, <laughs> yeah. She would have she would have uh, liver and Brussels sprouts, and, you know, in the same same sitting, and it was just not talk about happen. an olfactory. Uh, <laughs> <festival>. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you know, can we add cabbage <laughs> to that too? Please? Well, you know, it was at that time. You know, particularly, I mean, I'm going back to the '50s too, as well, when I was growing yeah. up in my dad's restaurant. But liver was a staple on the menu, uh, liver and onions. Right. Uh, but yep. it was also really fresh because, uh, as I've talked about it mm-hmm. in a number of times on the on the program, my dad butchered everything. So he'd get right. a side of beef, he'd cut everything up for the steaks, the chops, the burgers, whatever. But he'd right. also have fresh liver. We also had a lot. There were all, uh, also a lot of chicken liver dishes. Okay. I don't know if you guys had okay. that, but we we didn't really. Do, uh, 
they were certainly available ar- around, but I don't I don't remember so much chicken, chicken livers. No liver. They're they're yeah. m- uh, much more. Uh, you can handle them more easily than a slab of liver. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Uh, you know, and in some places these yeah. these uh, uh, these items are a delicacy. Uh, obviously, in in our upbringing, I, I wasn't a big liver fan either. You know. No, it's just so, so yeah. pungent, you know? It was just like, oh, this is just, just too and much. And another, another thing that seems to run through a lot of my talks with people is tongue. Did you ever eat tongue when you were a kid? I, not that I know of. <laughs> maybe, maybe she snuck, disguised it Snuck some tongue else, into a sandwich at some point? Yeah. I, I think that, you know, it was a pretty nuclear family, right. too. So whatever we ate had to get by dad. You know, and I just, not, my dad was, I don't see him as being no. a tongue guy. Um, but they had, we had uh, this little grocery store. It was sort of, I guess, the main grocery store in town. It was locally owned. And they had a, they had a real butcher section. So you went and told oh, him great. what you wanted. And, and that's, that's right. how you got it. You know, it was not prepackaged right, right. at all. Which is- and that was, you know, it was in the back of the store and it was, there was something a little macabre about it, I thought, you know, because it's <laughs> like, that's where you went for... You had to know what you were asking mm-hmm. for and what you wanted, and uh, you know it was. And there were things. Were that, you quizzed you know, when you went in? No, no. The butcher didn't say. All right. No, no, no. I mean, I never right. ordered. I, you know, I didn't ask if they had tongue, but uh, you know that uh, you, some things were recognizable and some <laughs> things were not. You know, but that's just being like a right, kid. Exactly. You know, and I assumed right. it was all edible. <laughs> And was there, did your mom have a specialty? Was there something that you remember particularly that you loved that you thought, oh, it's, it's coming. I can't wait. Uh, yeah. Um, well, she, you know, we would cook steak, Mm -hmm. you know, she would, she would uh, grill steaks and, uh, and I always really enjoyed that because it was, I don't know. Me just, I guess it's. Meat. It was meat. It's probably probably was really fresh. Any idea what the cut was? I'm getting at it. Very esoteric here. I think I think they were T bones. That was really popular back in the 50s, 60s, yeah. 70s. And and uh, right. one of the things that I still buy because to me, a lot of people think you know filet mignon is like the primo uh, a steak. Uh-huh, uh, right. But to me, as far as flavor is concerned, it's T bone yeah. and porterhouse. Which are much more flavorful right, to me okay. than a than a tenderloin, than a filet mignon. Right, well, because the because the yeah. the bone and the fat. And, and my what, and my brother and I used to fight flavor. over the bone. After you know you cut uh-huh. away the meat, then we'd want to gnaw on the bone. Yeah. I I had the same thing happen with <laughs> me and my dog. You know, speaking of brothers, the were there siblings? Did you have you have siblings? I have I have two mm-hmm. older sisters, yes, who are both still in Arkansas, uh, both excellent cooks. My uh, my uh, older sister uh, Elizabeth is uh, was a uh, sort of a, she went off to college in the early seventies and uh, ended up marrying an artist, and they lived out in the woods in this cabin. So uh, they they opened up some avenues food wise to me that I hunting, that, you know. Venison, uh, that sort of yeah, thing? yeah. They had a friend. They had a guy who lived next next door, uh, a mile away, um, who was an older guy who'd grown up there, and he would bring them uh, deer meat and, but also squirrel. They would eat squirrel meat, and uh, and you know, I that's not something you find in the butcher shop too often. Um, but uh, and and they would, and they had a garden, and they would, uh, as did my parents. They had a garden. A lot of uh, oh yeah, the veggies were. So, so your mom yeah. picked from so. the garden, or you did. Did, did? did you work in the garden at all? My dad oh. actually did all the gardening. You know, the story, his, his war stories from gardening always in, involved a deer coming, you know, and, and taking everything. So he, he, had a, uh, he, he had these sort of, For uh, one of a, uh, Rube Goldberg kind of devices to get rid of like deer. What? And, you know, one of them was a... Uh, he had a motion sensor that he attached to a radio. So whenever anything was around the garden, this radio would start blaring music. And he had a scarecrow that um, I guess was by the radio. So you were supposed to think that this guy was started singing, <laughs> this farmer. 
This guy with a sack head started singing. Did and, they work? You know, that would be scary. I guess. Did this? Did the uh, the uh, uh, devices scare away the deer? Yeah. Oh yeah. Because I had a, yeah. I just had an image of a deer pulling up and going. Hmm, I like that tune. That's very nice. I think I'll hang around, have a few, couple of tomatoes. And... <laughs> Is this a new song? <laughs> yeah. No, I guess it worked. I mean, he, 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 I don't know why he just wouldn't put chicken wire. Yeah, that's place, what I do. I, I have a know, big, tall, uh, yeah. like eight foot fence so they can't jump over right. it. Uh, but right. uh, what came from the garden? Do you remember? Oh, uh, a lot of uh, tomatoes is what I remember because uh, down there, it, you know, it's hot. Perfect it's tomato humid, weather. So these yeah. tomatoes would just be monsters and gorgeous. I mean, you know, and it's like you taste it and it's like, oh, it's, that's what it's a supposed tomato to taste like. tastes like. You know, yeah, 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 it was. Uh, and he had, um, he grew a lot of cucumbers. He grew okra, uh, and he would pickle his own. Okra I just got a, I just got a free song. <laughs> you know, a little. I just got goosebumps mentioning okra. To me, it's like hazelnuts. I, I, th- it, there's something about them that just, I, there's a visceral sort of thing that happens to me. Is it a I, good thing or is it? It's bad? not a good thing. No, it's not a good thing. No, no. Okay, because it's a hairy pepper, maybe. <laughs> Or something? <laughs> no, it's the it's the texture. Oh, okay. More than anything. Oh, I love. Well, I, you like okra? We'll just have to agree to disagree. Okay. I, I really right. like okra. Well, I still I make okra for my kids, and they they enjoy they love it. it. Yeah. Well, God bless them. You know, there's room for us all. <laughs> Dad with his okra fetish. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not a fetish. He also grew uh, watermelons. Uh-huh. Which sort of had the same kind of the, that heat and yeah, humidity right, right. had same kind of effect on it. So mm-hmm. yeah, so it's good. Those are really good memories. He tried corn, but those with the deer that was really right hard. So uh, circling back to the table, what about desserts? Did mom make desserts or dad? You know, we didn't have. We weren't a really big dessert family. Uh, occasionally, you know, uh, for special occasions, uh, my grandmother made, uh, an egg custard that she had made for my dad, uh, his mother, uh, had, used to make those for, spe- for his birthday and occasionally at Christmas time. So those are the, that's the dessert I remember. And, and, and my mother would make a cherry cobbler, uh, ah, which was really, really good. With fresh and- cherries? Uh, with fresh cherries, oh. yeah, and this, the ice cream on oh, top. Oh boy, yeah, we had those. <laughs> we had those cobblers in my dad's restaurant as well. Yeah, peach yeah. cobbler, uh, right. cherry cobbler, apple cobbler, yeah. plus the pies, all fresh right. made too, which was great. That's fantastic, uh, man. Let me tell fantastic. you, fantastic. But occasionally, like she had at some point growing up, she uh, found out that she had high blood pressure, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, so she had to cut out all the salt. Uh. From all the food. Right. And I remember that. That was like traumatic because, you know, she would make this, she would bake a white fish, um, which I don't even, I can't even imagine what it was down there. Um, But, and it would just be this, it had no butter. It was just a plank of, it was like (laughs) paper. It was like wet paper, you know, and no salt. Any kind of white fish generally doesn't have much flavor to it anyway. Yeah, 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 and it was it was you know uh, at first I was like this is terrible this is awful, but my father encouraged me because mom had to eat that way too. Yeah, know, yeah. Let's let's make the best yeah, of right, it right. that we can. That's my okra, I guess you could say. <laughs> it sticks out in me. Do, you, like, do you still have a a thing about whitefish? No, no, because you can no I, I you can salt it. You can salt it and you can add things to it. You can, yeah, right. you know, flavor it and bake it. No but, sauces uh, or anything? No, no. Uh, on the did fish? Did you recall? Yeah. Not then. No. Not no. then. Now. Now. Oh, now. Yes. Yeah. Well, uh, I, yes. I, um, I, as you, I think you probably know, I lived in New Orleans for uh, a while. I had right, been there for right. many years. And, um, they they did this thing called um, they have redfish you know they have all kinds of great yeah. seafood oh, they have yeah. and they have a a redfish uh, thing called a redfish munier 
which is mm-hmm. like it's basically yeah. like a kind of uh, breaded sautéed with uh, kind of a, a lemony cream thing. It's not yep. a piccata, but it's it's right. really good though. It's just mm-hmm. melts in your mouth, and it's got mm-hmm. a little crust on it from the. There's got to be some butter in there. Oh yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. In in a meunier. Yeah, and I think it's it's as you say it's it's probably lightly coated with flour or yeah. Uh, it's li- and then uh, sautéed. Yes. So it's got and a then with the sauce on it. it. Yeah, it's yeah. not like a battery thing. It's a crispness right. to it, which is right. Yeah, but it's, uh, there's. A, but yeah, so and and then uh, we also my, I went fishing with my dad. We would have uh, brim and perch and occasional bass and stuff, and uh, those were generally uh, fried. You know, we right. would do like a, a deep fry or you know whatever deep pan fry of those with a batter. So, uh, a cornbread with cornmeal with a cornmeal. Oh. So yeah, it yeah, was yeah. crunchy and uh, gave it just a little hint of sweetness and mm. it's really you know, good. And that's that's a also a main a staple of uh, church life down there too. Or the fish right. fries, you know, you have fish fries on Friday nights or whatever, and and they were fantastic. Oh, what was the mostly. what was the what was the menu like for the fish fries? Uh, you would have catfish. You'd have fried right. catfish. Uh, you would have uh, hush puppies. You'd have describe a hush puppy to those in the audience who don't know what they are. Oh, what? Who? who <laughs> what? It's a it's a uh, it's a cornmeal ball that's uh, put together with um, I guess probably egg or uh, just water. It's like a it's like a. Well, it's got to have like some a, kind of a binder, so it'll probably yeah, be an binder. egg. Egg. Um, uh, and you put this cornmeal with it and spices, salt and pepper, and, and then you deep fry it. So mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of like a falafel, but with cornmeal. Yep. And, um, and it's very, very good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and what and, else? Uh, they would have that. They would have those two things. They would have like re- those really fresh tomatoes, uh, green tomatoes as well, um, um, and sliced onion and bread i'm ready to go i'm ready to go now <laughs> talk myself into it so but i mean then that was a real draw for people yes the church oh, had I'm other sure. things going on as well but that and, was and by the way i just thought of it that that catfish are very underrated as a fish very flavorful yes it's a bottom feeder uh and depending on where the catfish lives yes uh generally very tasty mm-hmm. uh, and can be adulterated you know with with sauces and what have right. you i know uh my wife at times has made a dish with uh, a catfish and uh, a, a, an almond a crushed almond uh, coating it's uh, oh, yeah. quite delicious yeah 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 i've had it with uh in new orleans especially they will do it with a cornmeal and a uh, sort of a chopped pecan uh, mm. thing in yep. the in the coating as well, which is really, really good. But I mean, catfish, you know, catfish was one of the first farmed fishes, I guess. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. So it's, where where did you and your dad, where did you, you and da- your dad fish? We fished all over, really, in South Arkansas and North Louisiana. Um, so you go on a, trips? Yeah. We would, well, sometimes, yeah. Sometimes we would just go on his day off. Uh, he had like one day off a week. And then uh, sometimes we would go on a two-day trip over to, um, uh, there's a place called Lake Chico, which is just off the Mississippi River. And it's actually a, an oxbow lake that is uh, left over from the Mississippi. And, the, and yeah, we didn't, we didn't really fish for catfish. Uh, that was kind of more... Uh, people would set trot lines for those right. things, you know, things you just leave there. And yep. then, but we, we fished for bass and, and perch and brim and stuff. But yeah, I mean, we didn't go on like, we didn't really go deep sea fishing. Right. Or, or, or you stuff. didn't go camping just, and fishing. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was more my dad's, you know, we had the, we had the boat, we'd hook it to the car. Oh. We'd go out for the day. Oh, yeah, great. So, oh yeah. Sounds wonderful. Well, you just described something called an oxbow yeah, an oxbow lake, lake is is what's left over from like a river channel when the river will change course, but there's still this deep, uh, you know, channel yep. there, yep. and it's it becomes a lake. It's basically where a, you know, where a uh, river turns into a lake. Mm. 
So well, this immediately sets me to to going to Siri or uh, to my uh, online encyclopedia to find out what the derivation of Oxbow Lake is, because there's the you know there's the Oxbow incident, that great book, uh, yes, and movie. Yes. Weren't you in that movie? Uh, I'm not that old, Bill. <laughs> um, uh, well, it comes from the shape of an oxbow, where you put over the oxes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand that, yeah. but why is it called? Why isn't lake called an oxbow lake? Is my is my question? Because of the shape, yeah. I guess. And, I and anyway, we're we we we. We're off on a sidetrack here. Let's get I don't back. want to court controversy here, okay? <laughs> right. Let's just call it a lake. All the uh, Oxbow aficionados in the country are going to come down online on us just yeah. right away. Right away. The, so, so, so you're a kid. Uh, you uh, you uh, are bringing food in from the garden that your mom cooks fresh. Uh, grits. Was grits part of your diet? We would have grits, yeah. But, um, I, you know... Uh, they weren't like necessarily fresh grits. I don't know. They were, and, and they that. weren't ubiquitous. Like for instance, my dad's restaurant. They, they always served grits with breakfast. Right. No. They they were ubiquitous in the diners yeah, or right. where wherever you would go. Yeah. You know, find some place. You know, the the morning coffee shop places. Mm -hmm. uh, place they they would have grits, but we I don't think we made them much growing up. Uh, my mother did make hominy. Yes, once, and that was not a that was not a success. Sort of chunky grits, balls of corn. like boiled, yeah. yeah, boiled popcorn or something. It was not <laughs> it was weird. All right, so now you have in your corner, I have okra, and you have hominy. So we're we're <laughs> we're we're straddling a line here that we're yes. in which we're we're respecting yeah. each other for our our right our boundaries yeah, exactly Those are the boundaries right <laughs> uh, in your lifetime uh, since you grew up with this kind of fresh cuisine but at the same time relatively limited in terms of its did you eat did your mom make anything anything ethnic did she make any spaghetti and meatballs or did she make anything. <sighs> Um, you, you smile. Well, I mean, yeah, spaghetti and meatballs. Yeah, um, I, I guess that's pretty. Uh, that's mainstream at this point. Um, not really. You know, we not never. Adventurous. We didn't have Asian. Yeah. We didn't have any Asian food around. We didn't have any. Really, didn't have any uh, Mexican or Latino right. food at all. Um, the first, actually, the first. Uh, Mexican food I had was a like frozen dinner Mexican food and it was terrible mm -hmm. and I thought well I hate Mexican food I'm a guy yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. people say they like it I hate mm -hmm. it and that was it until I went to college or something like that and I went someone took me to in Little mm -hmm. Rock someone took me to a Mexican restaurant and I thought oh this is yeah, fantastic yeah, exactly uh, do, do you recall as you grew up any awakenings things that you went oh my god this is uh, other than mexican was it just i mean you name it and it was an awakening everything yeah. everything yeah. yeah i went to the first time i had sushi was with amanda burse and uh we were it was before fright night we were gonna go look at the uh uh like the billboard on sunset or something like that and she said let's grab something to eat first so we went to a sushi place and I thought, oh, we're going to a sushi place. You know, I thought that was like oat cuisine mm -hmm. or something, you know, and and it was delicious. And I thought, why didn't I yeah. know anything? Yeah, about exactly. This? Fantastic. And uh, yeah, so everything. I mean, I eat everything. Now. I eat, uh, I, I have a, a good friend who is uh, from Lebanon and he's he's a great cook oh. as well. He, he cooks uh, Lebanese food and Mediterranean stuff and. I didn't have any exposure yeah. to that. Growing yeah, yeah. Up, so, uh, and it's fantastic. Oh yeah, I had a lot of that when I was oddly enough when I was a kid, because my right. church there was no Greek Orthodox church because there weren't enough Greeks. So the Greeks, the Syrians, the Lebanese, the Russians, actually the Serbians, they all kind of banded together and and uh, built a church, and uh, and the word. preponderance of the uh, of the congregation was. 
uh, Lebanese Syrian. So there was a lot okay. of that food around, and it's just it's such an awakening. Oh, that's fantastic! Yeah, it really is. I've had uh, Carrie always talks a lot about Jordanian food. And he said, that's, uh-huh. I mean, it's, you know, in the same world. Yeah. And he said, it's just extraordinary. It's just really, the, 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 the palate is very broad and uh, quite delicious. Uh, right. And I've been exposed to Moroccan food. There's a, there's a cross-cultural kind of thing going right. on there as well. And it's just, it's wonderful cuisine. I recommend it to our listeners very highly. Um, right. Uh, speaking of awakenings, how did the acting start? Oh, well, this town that I grew up in, was a, it was a typical small Mayberry-like town, I guess, yeah. um, except in the 1920s, they found oil, and they drilled here, and they found oil, and they drilled here, and they found oil, so it became a boom town. Oh. It went from uh, like maybe 5,000 people in 1920 to 1920s. Uh, Two twenty-seven, twenty-two, I think, um, to fifty thousand people, yeah. and uh, almost you know not overnight, but within yeah. months, and uh, so a lot of people got very wealthy very quickly, and um, a lot of a lot of people from outside um, t- Dallas and and more metro- uh, metropolitan right. areas came, and uh, the Hunt brothers were there for a while, and. Um, you know, and they brought all this money, and the some of the ladies of the town decided that they needed a uh, a fine arts presence in the town. So they founded this little thing called the South Arkansas Art Center, which was a uh, an art center. It had uh, sculpting classes, painting classes. It had a little ballet and uh, an orchestra, and it had um, an orchestra, uh, a little a little theater. What was that? An orchestra. Yeah, yeah. It was a community orchestra, yeah, 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 but, but it was still. people who, you know, it was a facility and it was a place to play and give a concert and mm-hmm. all this stuff. And uh, yeah, so it was kind of remarkable. And I plugged, my mother did art there because she was kind of an artist and uh, and I plugged into the theater end of it. How did that happen? One night, my parents said, we're going to go see The Wizard of Oz. Uh, and I, I said, oh, uh, where is that? And they said it was at the art center and they were doing the musical, the wizard of Oz. Ah. And they, uh, did this musical. And instead of munchkins, they had, uh, which were very hard to find in South Arkansas. <laughs> they, they use kids. And so I went and I saw the stage full of kids dressed up and adults dressed up and a little orchestra playing the music. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, well, that's, this is where I'm that's supposed right. to be. You know, <laughs> how so old were you put, at the time? I was probably nine, mm-hmm. probably nine years old. And um, my good friend, uh, Trip Phillips, who I don't know if you know, uh, a guy I grew up with who's a stage manager now in New York City, he was the mayor of the Munchkins. And uh, so I went, they started the next year, they started a children's theater thing there. And I, I got involved in that. And that's when I started doing plays and and living that in that world. So, uh, and, uh, so I was very fortunate in that it was a, uh, you know, it was a small town, but it had a big arts presence. Right, and a community-based. Which and is, all community-based. Yeah, which yeah. is, uh, Still is really extraordinary for the size of the town. But as you say, uh, because yeah. of the, the quote-unquote, whatever you want to call it, big city influence of people coming yes. in from places like Dallas and Houston where they had this, this right. kind of as a as a... Uh, birthright in a way because you know those are yeah. places where there are thriving theaters and have been there for a long time uh very well known actually yeah in both houston and, and dallas uh, yeah yeah and they you know i mean it was considered the right of passage for a town once you got to a certain level of affluence it's that you had you added arts and stuff mm-hmm. to it right and i guess these ladies you know and men recognized it and so that's what they they created, and they also um, felt like it was a. They discovered, I think, that it was a boon to recruiting people to come work in the town. You know, for executives or engineers or all of that stuff, because it had, you know, it had a life outside of work, which you know was huge. Mm-hmm. So 
I think it was kind of a uh, kind of a component of the town continuing to thrive after that. Yeah, and, and it's something I think that a lot of people don't really understand in it, particularly when it comes to schools art programs, arts programs, and that is right. that it's not just about the kids participating in it, but it's also the way it leaks out into the community in the sense that exactly. people have a have a way of um of um of catharsis, for want of a better word, yes. you know, of really going to something and seeing it and thinking, oh, well, that's me up there. I understand what it's like to be in pain or to be, or just to sit and laugh and have a good time, yes. you yeah. know, and that that, yeah. that suffuses itself throughout the community. It's not something yes. that just resides in the building. Yes. You know, when you go to yes, see a beautiful painting yeah. or you listen to a great piece of music uh, and it's not in your home, it's with other people also, which right. is something that we're also starved from uh, during the right. pandemic. And that is that right. sense of community. Uh, we, uh, My wife, as you know, is a, a, an actress, but also a director. And she just came back from a film festival uh, in which she got to see her movie for the first time on a screen with an audience and she said right. it's so it's just so different because the audience yeah. feeds itself in terms of that sense uh -huh. of permission to laugh right. to cry right. to to have that moment of of um Yesterday, for instance, we went to a memorial service about a re remarkable young woman uh, who lived here locally, who had a terrible uh, health problem, who ultimately died from it, but who was an artist, who was a painter and an actress oh. and a singer and, and throughout her life, despite whatever was happening to her. And there was a moment in the, in the uh, memorial where, believe it or not, Kermit the Frog came on and somebody sang that great... Kermit the Frog song, da 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 da, whatever it is. The Rainbow Connection, and, or yes, the Rainbow Connection. Okay. Yeah. And the audience at one is as one went <gasps> that little breath in. Uh -huh. of, oh yes, <laughs> this moment of we all feel the same thing at the same time. Yeah, yeah, and that's important. Yeah, that's okay. That. So much for my diatribe. Uh, but I, I, I want to go on a little further. So then when did it become clear? Was it clear to you early on that this was going to be your life? No. I mean, I, I did it and I enjoyed it and I got, you know, positive feedback from it. Um, but then I went to college and I thought, okay, well, I have to, you know, I, got, I better find something to do. So, <laughs> right. you, you know, I... Yeah. looked at law. I took the, you know, the LSAT, the exam, and I thought about ministry. I thought about medicine. And, um, and before I knew it, it was the end of my senior year. And, mm -hmm. um, I was like, uh Oh, you know, my friends were all, they had all gotten their acceptance letters for, you know, med school or, or law school or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I was like, uh Oh, uh, what am I going to do? And my parents actually were the ones who sort of said, why don't you go give acting a try? You've, you've gotten really? great feedback from it. We enjoy seeing you do it. You enjoy it. Worst thing that happens is, you know, you do it for a couple of years, doesn't work out, then you, then you can move on. You know, they knew that your, your, your life does not end at 22 when you graduate from college and go into yeah. your job, you know. So, yeah. They, yeah. And, uh, so they were very encouraging. They gave me for my graduation gift they gave me a year away at an acting school in california so oh, wow how great yeah so i i cherish that so much much more now than i i i realized then yes know, but yeah 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 so i so i went out there and had great luck out there and was right into it within a, a year i was you know a professional actor so and was working right away and was working yeah yeah so. Which is another extraordinary thing. You know, I've, I've talked to people. Uh, I had a conversation with, with Michael Patrick King, who's uh, mm. a, a writer, director, producer of Sex and the City and uh, any number of the, 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 uh, the comeback. Uh, and Michael was in New York for 18 years, right. working as a waiter, as a, as a uh, uh, baggage handler at Greyhound Bus. <sighs> and all the time... 
you know, doing writing plays and doing improv and whatever, right. but having to work at a job right. the entire time until finally he got his first writing break when he was right. in his 30s. It's know, amazing. I, yeah. yeah. I, I, I share with you that luck uh, in the beginning of right. just being able to work right away. So uh, I, I salute all those actors and, and performers out there who struggle for a long time, but finally... Uh, it happens. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, go ahead. No, I, I was going to say, I, I still know dozens of people in that, you know, my age in that, in that same situation. So mm-hmm. to continue, you know, to attach to this thing and continue to pursue it while, you know, paying the bills and, and, you know, making ends meet with, you know, jobs that are not what they may necessarily dreamed of doing, mm-hmm. you know, I, it's, it's incredible. It's yeah. a, an amazing thing. Yes, absolutely. Now, I, I would also be remiss because I know that uh, there are probably a number of people listening to this who are also fans of the movie that we have in common. And if you're just listening and not uh, uh, looking at the video, there's a poster of Fright Night behind Bill. Uh, and uh, can we? Let's oh, was that li- there? I didn't. I had, <laughs> oh, I'm by sorry. the way, <laughs> I meant to take it down. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I would be remiss if we didn't talk a little bit about that because it was such a great experience, I think, for me. And I, I have to ask you what it was like for you. Yes. Well, I mean, it was uh, as as I was to segue right into it. I, I went to this acting school in California and I uh, was about to graduate from there. And my the head of my school got a call from an agent he knew in San Francisco who had gotten a call from a casting woman that she knew in LA looking for scrawny, youthful looking, you know, boys. Yeah, uh, put the emphasis on scrawny. Well, yeah, you know, you uh, had to be capable yeah. of being scrawny. Capable. <laughs> right. Um, uh, for the movie mask, they were filming mask. So I met the casting woman through that even before I was done with school. And when I got out of school, I was working shucking oysters in a uh, in a bar, and uh, th- I called the woman and said, "I'm going to come down to L.A. Can I? This is Jackie Birch, mm-hmm. cast right now. Right. Said, Can I buy you lunch? Can I buy you a drink? You know, and a coffee or whatever." She said, "No, but I got this movie I'm doing now. You might be right for. Her. Why don't you come in and read for it?" And that was Fright Night. Um, and so, so I went and read for Tom and. It went well. We're talking and, about Tom Holland, the director of Fright Night, yes, and also Tom Holland, Charles who, who, Play who, who, and a number of other movies. Yes. And he's a guest. Wasn't he on this yes, podcast? Yes. Well? Tom yeah. has done a podcast. Um, right. Uh, how does he feel about okra? I'm just curious. <laughs> I didn't ask him, but I uh, maybe we'll do a follow-up podcast just about yeah. okra. Yeah. I, I'd add that to my list of, of questions. It's very telling. It's very <laughs> right. telling. Um, and so I, I went back to San Francisco, and I had this old beat-up Celica that I drove back three or four times to audition with in different situations with different mm-hmm. people and finally got it. Uh, and, um, and the rest is his. And now I'm talking mm-hmm. to you for almost four right. years later. Uh, oh boy. And, That's yeah. crazy. So, and the experience itself was lived up to your expectations. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. I was with Chris Sarandon well, and, Roddy McDowell, who, you know, were, you know, icons for me at that point. So, and, and yet they were very nice people as well. Very supportive. And, um, yeah, it was fantastic. I was, you know, it was Amanda and Stephen and I were kind of these young, uh, uh, neophytes, upper comers or whatever. And then you guys, veterans, uh, were there. So we were absorbing and watching and learning and, you know, and listening to what you guys, uh, you know, how you negotiated through the making of the movie. And, of, and then, and of course, turned, the, the, and, and right, the tutorials along, so. that we gave, I gave you. Yeah. Yes. Where, we, where we I sat and you know, sort of talked you through all your and scenes. Over. And we're joking, folks. <laughs> right. <laughs> that, that did not happen. Yes. It helped to have you there being co-director. <laughs> no. Talk a little um, bit. Tell me a little bit about your, just your impressions and your experience with Roddy McDowell. He was, you know, I, I wasn't really, when I read the script, I, I pictured, uh, 
you know, Vincent Price or Christopher Lee or one of these old sort mm-hmm. of, you know, uh, legendary but, guys. And so when I heard Roddy was doing it, I was like, well, how's that going to work? You know, because I, I think of Roddy as Cornelius, you know, from or, the or Planet of the, the Apes yes, or some of his movies when yeah. he was younger. Yeah. And, um, but he was perfect, you know, I mean, looking back, he was, he, he knew who that guy was so well. And he touched every single point, you know, in, in, the, in the creation well, of the character. Well, uh, because what he and, managed uh, to accomplish was, and it's something that I think Tom had in mind, Tom Holland, the director, had in mind when he, was, when he wrote the movie and also when he was making it. And that was that this was a genre that he had great nostalgia for and that he loved. Mm-hmm. And so he was not interested right. in making fun of it. But at the same time, right. he was exercising some of the tropes, some of the cliches of the yes. of the genre, but uh, having fun with them, but not making fun of right. them. And that's an important right. distinction because a lot of movies were coming out at that time, or at least just previous to right. that, that were satires of, of the genre, of the vampire right. genre. Uh, and Roddy's character right. was very much that sort of character. In fact, he was the epitome of that kind of character. Right. Right. No, absolutely. Yeah. And he, that's the brilliance of it. I thought was that he's, he's setting you up for a satire and then suddenly it's not a satire. It's dead serious. It's real. And then we all have to kind of converge at this Mm -hmm. point of it's real. What do we do? The stakes are very high uh, and that you, that, that uh, I learned this with uh, the princess bride and that is comedy's very serious business. And that there are a lot of comic mm-hmm. moments in Fright Night, but that they are all taken very seriously by the cat director and the cast, right. and that's important, right. very important. Yeah, they pop, they pop up as opposed to being yeah. sort of the main. Yeah, thrust exactly, of the, exactly. Of thing, so. uh, I, I would be remiss if I didn't return to our original theme of food when you were younger, but to ask you a question that I ask everyone as a kind of conclusion mm. to our conversation, and that is. If there's one thing that you remember from when you were a kid, one one dish, one food, one food event that just stands out in your memory, what would it be? Well, you know, my mom yeah. cooked every night, so there, there were a lot of the things to choose from. But the thing that, you know leaps to the front of my mind is, ah. is Thanksgiving dinner because uh, it was things that only happened at mm-hmm. that time of year, you know, and it was, they were things that were things that were really special in terms, you know, cranberry sauce and the, and the, um, uh, the sweet potatoes and the massive Turkey and homemade rolls and, and people would, uh, my grandmothers would bring things to add too, you know, cast- mm-hmm. bean casseroles or whatever. So, but it was, uh, that was the real time. That was the time that it was a family feast, you know, and it was everybody. Uh, members and, of your um, the satellite family as well. Not just you, your brothers. And well, yeah, yeah. My, I sister. mean, my, my grandmothers, but all yeah. my sister, I mean, my sisters were there obviously growing up, but, uh, but yeah. And sometimes there would be people from, um, it happened on certain Sundays as well. My 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 parents would invite someone who was maybe by themselves, you know, an older person by themselves, to come in and have mm-hmm. a Sunday lunch, Sunday dinner with us, and um, uh, and those were very special too because they found it felt like uh, it felt like a special meal. You know, it felt like a kind of a sacred. Yeah, sacramental right. meal. Well, and know, also okay. that so, if you're if um, you're not only doing it for your family, but also that somebody in the community is part of it, and that that you are giving yeah. them a home, in a way, for a day. Yes. Then what better? Yes. What better can you can you do on a holiday than to share it with somebody? Yeah, yeah, and it was, it, and it was yeah. it was the food, obviously, but it was also new stories you know because our we we didn't have the tv on during meals we would talk and when you had a new person there it was suddenly mm-hmm. oh here's a new yeah. story here's a new yeah. relationship or 
something. And that was, I, I loved that too. That was really special. Well, I, so. I can't think of a better way to conclude our conversation except to say to you, I'm going to put you on the spot. Uh, is there something you cook that you consider to be your specialty uh, or your family considers it to be so? Well, I have, yeah. I, I have three teenage boys. Yep. So um, I cook, I cook for the family and I cook uh whatever they will eat. Um, <laughs> Is there something I, I mean, that they request? They request black bean burritos all the time. So I, I make them black bean. I make, you know, I soak the beans and make, make fresh black beans and mash them up. And, and then we put all the fresh stuff on it. The, uh, the onions or tomatoes or jalapenos or mm -hmm. whatever they want on that. So mm -hmm. well, that's what they request, but I don't know if it's, it's not terribly, exotic or interesting but do you consider that your specialty what i like is what my grandmother made for me which, which was, was a um it's a tortilla chicken casserole and it's basically you it's a it's a line dish you line it with tortillas you put in uh chicken and and uh rotel tomatoes and uh like uh cheese and some mushroom soup cream of mushroom soup and and you just sort of layer it and you let it soak overnight in the fridge and then you pop it in the oven and it's just i don't know what you would call it it's well i have a feeling that that's going to be the recipe i ask you for 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 this for the uh, will, cooking by heart website it's great for kids they love it and i it never lasts and everybody eats it that's the and, one uh, that's it and you can add anything to it you want right which right. is great too okay william ragsdale I can't thank you enough for being with us today on Cooking by Heart. Uh, it's been a wonderful, stimulating, fun conversation. Thank you, Bill. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. My pleasure, too. I'm going to make something for you and bring it to you. Oh, it's a deal. All right. I'll make you the casserole. I'll make you the casserole. <laughs> See how you like it. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks, Bill. All right. Bye. Take care. <laughs>